Welcome to Walking in Faith with Pastor Rob Currington. This podcast is dedicated to helping develop lifelong seekers of the Kingdom of God. Each week, Pastor Rob helps bring God's message for living to those seeking a richer and more Christ-filled life. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he shares this week's message. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. We're going to look at many scriptures today, but we're going to start there. As we talk about kingdom living, it's the life of sacrifice. For many people, I believe that they have a wrong understanding of what it means to be a Christian. We talked last week that being a Christian is one who is invited to join him in the kingdom. And we're going to be talking about kingdom living in the next two weeks. On January 16th of 2013, David Arkett of the LA Times wrote this about singers and musicians. So if you're a singer and musician, this is for you. He writes, singers and musicians are some of the most driven, courageous people on the face of the earth. They deal with more day-to-day rejection in one year than most people do in a lifetime. Every day they face the financial challenge of living a freelance lifestyle, the disrespect of people who think they should get real jobs, and their own fear that they'll never work again. Every day they have to ignore the possibility that the vision they have dedicated their lives to is a pipe dream. With every note, they stretch themselves emotionally and physically, risking criticism and judgment. With every passing year, many of them watch as the other people their age achieve the predictable milestones of normal life. The car, the family, the house, the nest egg. Why? Because musicians and singers are willing to give their entire lives to a moment. Let me say that again. I want you to hang on to this. They are willing to give their entire lives to a moment, to that melody, to that lyric, to that chord, or the interpretation that will stir the audience's soul. Singers and musicians are beings who have tasted life's nectar in that crystal moment when they poured out their creative spirit and touched another's heart. In that instance, they were as close to magic or God and perfection as anyone could ever be. And in their own hearts, they know that to dedicate oneself to that moment is worth a thousand lifetimes. Another writer writes that while most people remember Michael Jordan, who is one of my favorites, for his legendary ability as a basketball player, one should note that his attitude, work ethic, and drive are really what allowed him to do what he did. These are the universal notions that can be applied to any field, he writes. The following quotations from Michael Jordan exemplify the type of attitude that would carry one to where one wants to go in life. Michael Jordan has said, I can accept the failure. Everyone fails at something, but I cannot accept not trying. He says, I always believe that if you put in the work, the results will come. I don't do things half-heartedly because if I know if I do, then I can expect half-hearted results. 
most of us can look in our lives and the things we've done or seen other people and notice that that's true. He says you have to expect things of yourself before you can do them. Now he sounds a little bit like Joel Olstein. But then he goes on to say, I have never been afraid to fail. How about yourself? Have you ever felt that way? There are many more examples that I could give of people driven to succeed. People like athletes, inventors, entrepreneurs, people who have one thing in common. They are focused on one objective. The Apostle Paul himself was one of those people when he described himself as driven, when he writes, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm here to share with you this morning that you and I need to have the same focus, the same drive. We too have been given one object in life. We see that in Matthew 6.33 where he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Father, we come before you this morning and we would ask that you would open up your word. Help us to understand what it means about kingdom living, what it means to live a life of sacrifice, what it means to to follow you, to give up all things and to go in one purpose to attain something. Father, let me speak words that are edifying. Let us tell the difference between the truth and opinions. But Father, help us also to respond to what your word has and what your spirit has prepared for us this morning. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. What does he mean when he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God? Well, previously we have seen this. This is our mission statement, our vision statement for our church. One of the things that we know that he says, Don't worry or don't be anxious about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to put on, where you're going to live. He says, Do not worry about those things, which are many of the things that people are driven to do. For a life of survival, a life of success, or a life of significance, we all are driven to meet our needs. But here we, Jesus is saying, is don't seek those things. Let that not be the goal that you're driven to, but seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then these other things will fall into place. Our vision here at our church is to develop lifelong seekers of the kingdom of God. We want you to be kingdom focused. We accomplish this. We become kingdom seekers when we glorify God by obeying the great commission of sharing the good news with the heart of the great commandment. You may see in this next letter, you may not. It looks like I made the, 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 the writing a little bit smaller than normal. I apologize for that. But for those that are eagle-eyed, you may get this. The rest you'll have to listen. Where he says, a kingdom seeker must be single-minded, totally devoted to the good works which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, single-mindedness is characterized by one unified purpose, the trait of being resolute, firmness of purpose determined. 
You may see there it says to be a kingdom seeker means that I focus on God and His priorities for my life. And that's where the challenge is this morning, is are you a kingdom-focused Christian? Are you kingdom-focused? Are you living for the kingdom? Is the priorities of God your priorities? So today we're going to do an honest assessment, a self-check, if you will, to see what is it that you're focused on this morning. You see, God has set the priorities for our lives when He commands us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, and also to love our neighbors as ourselves. For many of us, for many in the world, our priorities is making a living, providing for our families, and seeking the good of ourselves. But God has different priorities for you and I. For those that are kingdom living, you have something that you need to sacrifice. David writes in Psalms 63, is this the attitude that you and I have when he says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Like a person who's stranded in the desert and searching for shelter and for water, that's what we need to be focused on, is God. But for many of us, God is far from us. We proclaim that He is, but yet our daytimers, our checkbooks, and the things that we dream and aspire to have nothing to do with panting after God. In Matthew 4, 17 and verse 19, after the baptism temptation of Jesus, it says, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Come, follow me. Jesus is calling you and I to live lives that are focused, focused on the kingdom, called to be single-minded in that pursuit. But unfortunately, not many are living lives that are kingdom-focused. We have a generation of young men and women that are coasting through life, losing the best years of their lives, trying to discover where they fit in, wondering what to do with their lives, and never engaging with the real world. Others are living lives of desperation, searching for meaning, Others are living lives of distraction to avoid making decisions, while others are living lives of busyness to keep themselves isolated from reality and many of the pains of life. I want to share with you that that may be true for you and I, but for those of us that have been regenerated, that have been called into the kingdom, who profess Christ, who are submitting to the rule of God in our lives, we need to be single-minded, we need to be kingdom-focused. And I want to share with you today three things that keep you and I from being single-minded on the kingdom of God. It comes from Matthew chapter 13. You can turn to there if you like, Matthew chapter 13, 19 through 13. But I want to share with you three things. You'll see that the first one is going to be a lack of discernment. A lack of discernment. Why are we not single-minded? Why aren't we single-focused? Why are we not kingdom-driven? It's because of lack of discernment. Matthew chapter 13, verse 19 says, When anyone hears, and this is the parable of the sower, just to get you back up, he's now 
defining his, what his parable was. His parable was there was a sower who goes and he throws some seed out. Some falls on the wayside, some fall on rocky soil, some falls in the, in the weeds, and then some will fall on the good soil. He's now explaining this. And now he's explaining when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. See, Ryan Stubblefield, he's an author, writes, as I was a few months from turning 30, he says, I did a quick flip through the pages of my journal, and I saw just how badly I had digressed into all kinds of ruts in my social life, my dating life, my work life, my spiritual life, in my health and everything. He says, I let books about successful living from a worldly perspective have too much influence over my life. I let TV commercials tell me what I needed. I let songs on the radio guide my desires and my emotions. And I let characters on TV shows replace real relationships. And you see, that's, the, that's what's going on in the world. There's a lack of discernment. It's like the old song, looking for love in all the wrong places. We're looking for meaning in the wrong places. We have a lack of discernment. We think Katy Perry or Lady Gaga has the mysteries of life solved and we're waiting for a song. Should I date or should I not? I'll go to Taylor Swift and see what she has to say. Or I look and see what Ben Affleck has to say about Islam. Or Bill Meyer has to say about this, or Bill O'Reilly. I'll, I'll hit all the spectrums if I can. We have a lack of discernment. We're not looking to the things that are real or that has the answers. The problem is, is we don't even know the difference. That's the problem. It's not that we recognize that they don't have the answers. It's that we believe that they do. That's what's sad. There's a lack of discernment. And I pray that that's not you today. That there's a lack of discernment in your heart of what is true and what our priorities should be. The second thing that keeps us from being single-minded and focused on the kingdom is, is living lives of defeat. We're defeated. We feel like we're, we're failing at all times. He says this, for what was sown on rocky ground in verse 20, he says, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Such good news. Yet in verse 21, he has no root in himself, but he endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the world, immediately he falls away. Michael Jordan reflects, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. He goes on to say, I've lost almost 300 games. He says, 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot. And what? Missed. Though we remember the ones he makes, do we not? He goes on to say, I've failed over and over and over again in my life. And yet that's why I succeed. However, you and I, Many others, we give up. When the tough gets going, we quit. There are many people who do not have their priorities right or their life right because they've given up. Several weeks ago, I shared the story of an 
young man that when I grew up who was made an impression on me for his love for Christ. He always talked about Christ. He was always telling others about Christ. He was always getting up in church and giving testimonies about Christ, but yet after some time, he disappeared, walked away. He was defeated in his life. He walked away. There may be some of you that are here this morning. You receive the news of the kingdom and the gospel with joy. And you want to believe, you want to be part, but yet as you see the difficulties of life, the difficulties of the kingdom, you're saying, I don't want any part of this. I'm out of here. Please hear the word of God. Be single-minded, be kingdom-focused. The third that I want us to notice this morning, just from this passage, is we live lives filled with distraction. We live lives filled with distraction. Look at verse 22 of this passage, Matthew chapter 13. He says, As for that which was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. They're distracted. They get in there and the weeds are too high. The things of the world continually distract them. The pretty baubles and all the glitter says promises. They say, oh, I, I need to have that. Maybe, maybe this isn't as good as I thought it was. Living lives of distraction. On a radio program called The White Horse Inn, one segment titled, Distracting Ourselves to Death, the host proclaims that we live in a world of constant distraction. Not only are we constantly being interrupted by cell phones, emails, and text messages, but we're also distracted from thinking and contemplation in a culture of constant entertainment. And I believe this has been one of Satan's greatest tools in sidelining many Christians of distracting us in a world in which we're always wired, we're always checking things, we're being dinged and bubbled and everything else by what is going on and we have to look. I'll admit it. When I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is say, Lord, I thank you, Lord, help me in this day. My second act is to grab my phone and see what's going on on Facebook. Well, my, you know, my family's, you know, two hours ahead, so they're already going at it. i got to keep up, right? I find myself trying to do a message, trying to concentrate, and constantly going back to Twitter and things of that nature. You're laughing, but you know what I'm talking about, right? We have to watch TV, do our homework, listen to the radio, see what's on the iPod, and find out what else is going on in the world. And it's hard to unplug. We're distracting ourselves to death. One of Satan's greatest things, distracting us with all the little things that were keeping us so busy that we're never ever tackling the priorities of life. We use distractions and busyness to cover our pain, to cover our guilt and shame, to cover our sin, or to keep us from our responsibilities and even our lack of faith. I want to share with you, the distractions are always going to be there. 
Satan is like that strained dog barking across the fence. Come play with me. And he looks so cute and cuddly. And we go and we pet him and we play. And before we know it, we're off the track that God has given us. And I think there's some of us that have been distracted by all the things that God says, do not be distracted with. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about where you're going to live. Don't worry about the future. Today is enough to worry about. God will give you grace today. Quit praying about tomorrow. Pray for today. But yet we're just so distracted about the very things that you and I could not say, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. Because we're so busy thinking that I got to earn it. I got to get it. I got to provide. And God says, no, love me with all your heart, your soul, your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Be kingdom focused. But then one last, look at this next because in verse 23, Jesus says, As for that which was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruits and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and another thirty. This is someone who is fruitful, who is living out the pride of God. This is the kingdom-focused Christian, one who submitted to God's rule. And here's the kicker. All those other ones, those other soils, those are not other types of Christians. What really the scripture is saying there, this is not our main focus, but he's saying that the others are not of the kingdom. So let me ask, are you part of the kingdom? For one who's of the kingdom is focused on the priorities of God and what God has called them to. Frank Turk in a blog post titled, Just Add Water, writes that in Jesus' view, it is not merely intellectual assent, which is the hallmark of the disciple. For many of us, we say, well, I believe in Jesus. I believe that He died. I believe that He was the Son of God, that He was born of a virgin, that He died and He was buried and that He was raised again. He was a historical figure. But that intellectual assent, he writes, is not enough. The demons, Satan and the demons, will all concur on that. But listen to what he says. It's not merely intellectual assent that is the hallmark of a disciple. It's being set against the world. It's being focused. It's being put down in the foundation and its value systems. If a person is following Jesus and dying to the world daily and seeking to do what Jesus commanded, that person is a Christian. So let me ask you, has he just defined you? Are you a person that is dying to the world daily and seeking to do what Jesus commanded? Are you set against the world and its value systems instead of being distracted of it, instead of being afraid of dying? Are you ready to embrace the kingdom and the good news of the gospel? To be part of the kingdom, to be kingdom living, is to be kingdom focused, to be single-minded, 
There's one last problem that I want to talk about this morning that keeps you and I from being single-minded and focusing on and seeking the kingdom of God. And that's our own rebellious mind. Hence why I've titled this The Sacrifice of the Heart or Sacrifice of the Mind. In Scripture, you'll see the heart and mind synonymous as it comes together. It's our way of thinking. It's the things in which we hold dear to us. Before you and I can ever be kingdom-focused, we must realize that we have a rebellious mind that will not submit to God's rule, that will not be kingdom-focused. The Apostle Paul states it this way. Take your Bible, if you would, and turn to Romans chapter 1. We're going to look up several portions of Scripture today. Look at Romans chapter 1, famous portion of Scripture. And you and I need to understand that there's something that prevents us from doing it. It's in Romans chapter 1, look at verse 28. He says, and since, he's speaking of the world, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. This is not speaking of ISIL or ISIS. This is not speaking of Hitler. This is not speaking of just murderers and those that are thieves. This is speaking about you and I. This is speaking about our children. It is speaking about our families, our friends, and our neighbors. We have all been given to a debased mind. Our minds are in rebellion against our Maker. The problem is in our rebellion against our Creator and Ruler, we are too focused on self-empowerment, self-promotion, self-fulfillment, and self-pleasure. That's the state of each and every person born in this world. And like the fool in Psalms 14 who says in his heart, there is no God, we have lived and acted and thought as if there is no God and no final judgment. We spend our days focused on the wrong things. Instead, you and I need to adopt a kingdom-focused thinking. We need to renew our mind and change the way that you and I think. For it is not natural and part of us to be kingdom focused. It is natural for us to think of ourselves and to think of those that we love and to think of how we can pleasure ourselves and how we can entertain ourselves. And until you and I understand this and combat this, we will never be kingdom focused. And if you're here this morning and you're hearing these words and you feel convicted and you're saying, you know what, I understand, I recognize that I'm not kingdom focused, then you need to understand that you must renew your mind. Turn, please, to Luke chapter 9. Over these next few weeks, we're going to read passages to understand that kingdom living is a life of sacrifice. It means that you're going to have to give up some things. 
Too often Christianity is provided to you or given to you as things that you can add to your life or things that will make your life better. And there's some truth to that, but life in the kingdom also means giving up. In Luke chapter 9, look at verse 57. In this passage, we're going to see the requirements for kingdom living as Jesus warns against a divided heart and mind. He says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Remember, that was Jesus' message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Come, follow me. And this man says, I will follow you wherever you go. Those are the words. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be single-minded. I'm going where you want me to go. I want to, your priorities are going to be mine. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus plants it out. You can follow me. We can be kingdom focused together, but let me tell you, there's going to be some things that you're going to have to sacrifice. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And then Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom. And then another, a third one comes, said, well, I will follow you, Lord. But first let me say farewell to those in my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. To be fit for the kingdom of God means to have your eyes focused on him and just continually go, not looking back. I don't know if there's any farmers here, or any of you grown up near farms. You don't really see someone plowing with the animal, but you can imagine just if you were a runner, if you're a runner, you're always told, don't look back, right? You don't want to get distracted. You lose speed when you look around. You could wind up going off course. In the same way, someone who is plowing with a horse or an ox, he is to go forward. He puts a plumb line and he continually goes to that line. For if he looks back to see where the line is, what is he going to do? He's going to steer wrong. So you don't look back, you look forward. That's your goal. Jesus is saying, you can't follow me if you not, cannot keep your eyes straight. Family relationships... Providing for someone, he says it's going to cost you. You see, the big idea here is that we forsake everything for the kingdom of God. And that's where I want to challenge you today. For many of you profess Christ, but you have not yet forsaken it all for Christ. You're still holding on. Like Lot's wife, you're still looking back. You see, for someone who forsakes all for Christ, for someone whose kingdom living, whose kingdom focus, means to place Christ above your possessions. It means to place Christ above all other persons. And it means to place Christ above ourselves. Go back and read the scripture reading earlier. It has some harsh words. But some of you can say, you know what, it's been true. I've seen it. I've lost relationships. I've lost family. I've lost money. I've lost certain things that other people do. But yet, it was worth it. I'll follow Christ. 
to combat these things that prevent you and I from being kingdom-focused, you and I need a new way of thinking. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable. Our minds need to be renewed. As we were regenerated, born again, as we spoke about last week, our minds are made new. We need now to refocus our thinking. Our thoughts still have the old way there. And we, we default to our old way of living many, many times. And there's a battle where we must say, wait a second, that's the old way of thinking. Self-empowerment, self-promotion, self-fulfillment, self-pleasure. That's not the priorities of God. You and I need to continually drive our minds in the right direction. We need to focus. We need to train our minds. We need to discipline the way in we think. And I want to give you four things here. If you continue to stay with me, four things to focus on. Four things to focus on. First, you need to focus on eternity. You need to focus on eternity. Colossians says, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. To so many of us, we are so earthly bound, all we can think about is the things of earth. But let me tell you, you can try to save your family today by making all the things of life good to them and lose their soul. For it's the things on earth. If you were to continue he, that verse, in verse 3, you would see where moth and rust do not decay. So many of us are thinking about our retirements, about our, about our pension fund, about the things here on earth. We're not considering that eternity is forever. This life is temporal. You need to be focused on eternity. The second thing you need to be focused on is you need to focus on the enemy. You need to train your mind, renew your mind of who your enemy is. Ephesians 6.12 says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Let me tell you, your enemy is not your husband or your wife. Your enemy is not your children. It's not your brother, your sister, or your cousin. Your enemy is not President Obama. It is not uh, someone in Iran. Your enemy is not someone in your neighborhood or in any government or anything of that. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We must remember that behind every idol that distracts us, that lures us, is demonic force, Paul tells us. We need to retrain our mind on what is real, what is true. We need to focus on the enemy. Understand who he is. Understands his schemes. And then number three, focus on the fight. Focus on the weapons. For 2 Corinthians tells us we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So men, when it comes and you're tempted by pornography or some other thing to despise your wife and to take her as your lover, you must say that is against God. 
when you're in there and you're in, in, an, uh, in, in some type of relationship that's before marriage and you're involved, you need to recognize that that's against the knowledge of God. When it says, come, eat of this apple, it is sweet, this fruit is precious, you'll love it, it'll sustain you, you have to say no. When work is asking you to work, 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 make more, make more, make more, be a better provider, be a better provider, you must realize that that is false. You've got to destroy those arguments. When it comes down to God can't provide, I must not give, I must not share. You need to recognize that those are opinions and arguments that come straight from the enemy. And you can't let them hang there, but you need to destroy them. Then fourthly, you need to focus on holiness. You need to focus on holiness. The reason why many of us are not kingdom living, the reason why many of us are struggling with our priorities it's because we're thinking on the wrong things. We're letting other things dictate our time and our money and our energy. Philippians 4.8 says, That which is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, is if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these. Talk about a great filter. This is AVG, McAfee, and Norton virus all pulled into one. What are you thinking about? Is it honorable? Is it just? Is it pure? God has called those in his kingdom to be holy. We must be holy. How many of you know the old hymn, I have decided to follow Jesus? Great old hymn. Pastor Jesse Johnson writes about that hymn. He writes that in the 1880s, a Welsh missionary who had endured severe persecution finally saw his first converts in a particularly brutal village in the Indian province of Assam. A husband and wife with their two children professed their faith in Christ and they were baptized. Their village leaders decided to make an example out of the husband. Arresting the family, they demanded that the father renounce Christ or see his wife and children murdered. When he refused, his two children were executed by archers. Given another chance to recant, the man again refused, and his wife was similarly struck down. Still refusing to recant, the man followed his family into glory. Witnesses later told the story to the Welsh missionary. The report said that when he was asked to recant or see his children murdered, the man says, I have decided to follow Jesus and there is no turning back. Talk about a man focused in kingdom living. After seeing his children killed, he reportedly said, the world behind me, but the cross is still before me. And then after seeing his wife pierced by arrows, he said that no one is here to go with me. I still will follow Jesus. Friends, what's keeping you from being kingdom focused? What is it? This poor Indian man 
he was kingdom focused. He was living out the priorities of God. What's keeping you from serving and giving your mind and heart to the one who gave all? I'd like to give you a challenge, a response, and a promise from Scripture. It's in 1 Chronicles 28. David writing to his son at his deathbed. He says, And Solomon, my son, get to know the God of your ancestors. Worship and serve Him with your whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and understands and knows every plan and thought. If you seek Him, you will find Him. But if you forsake Him, He will reject you forever. If you're here this morning and you have professed Christ, seek Him with a willing and understanding heart. Train your mind to combat those things that keep you from being prioritized on Christ. For those of you here and you do not know Christ, would you please seek Him? Will you ask for Him? Will you pursue Him? He will show Himself to you. To be kingdom living means to be focused on the things of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then God will take care of you. Father, we come before you this morning. We ask for your strength, for your understanding. For as easy as it is to see this in word, to know that this is true, we still struggle. Father, there are things that are distracting us. There are things that we are afraid of. And there are things that we just lack discernment. So, Father, enliven our hearts to receive them, to know them, to pull towards you. Lord, those things that are that are in our lives, Lord, that are setting us outside your priorities, Lord, may we just cast them aside and, Lord, just follow you with all things. Give us this burning desire to do so. We pray this in your name. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this week's Walking in Faith podcast. We encourage you to share this podcast with others in order to help spread God's message to all those in need. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Email us at walkinginfaith at orangevilla.org. You can help us spread this podcast by writing a review at iTunes. And don't forget to visit us online at orangevilla.org. There you will find more information about our ministry, as well as share your thoughts, submit prayer requests, and find out how you can help others to grow in God's love. Until next week, may God bless you in everything you do.